Welcome to the Agile Weekly Podcast. My name is Jade Meskill. I'm Derek Neighbors. I'm Roy Vandewater. I am Clayton Lengelzigich. So Derek, you had a topic that you wanted to talk about today. What is it? Yeah, I think uh, something that I've seen a lot lately is when teams start to really get agility, they really start to get high-performing, one of the things they tend to do is start to go around roadblocks. Um, they tend to start to basically um, maybe choose some things that uh, the higher powers in a larger organization aren't comfortable with them choosing. And so there becomes this divide that starts to say, um, you know, how come you're not following standards? Whether those standards are set or whether they're not set, whether it's an architecture thing, whether it's a language choice thing, whether it's a process thing, you name it. it like what point does... Um, being agile and having and supporting the best ideas and moving forward and having the people closest to the work make the decisions about the work start to compete with like centralization and efficiency. Well, the problem is, is if everybody uses .NET, then we get the benefit of people can jump from team to team or, you know, we get all the benefit of being experts in .NET. But if you're doing Ruby and I'm doing Java and you're doing .NET and you're doing C Sharp and you're doing whatever that, you know, now we lose all of this efficiency, right? So there's this, like, uh, tension between we're trying to be innovative and just go as fast as possible versus don't you want to be efficient and have standards that we get this, like, benefit or this economies of scale from? So, like, what what have you guys seen in that area? Where do you sit on that sort of thing? Uh, when when you started talking about this, I remember uh, a time when our team had started to deal with some of this, uh, our, our Integrum team, and try to standardize on certain libraries and certain uh, techniques and things like that. We kind of went through this phase, right, that, exactly what you're talking about. And uh, from what I recall, it was a, a total disaster. Right, we were even using the same language at that point in time, uh, but well, if you guys would all just use Emacs, I wouldn't have been such a wink <laughs> about it. Uh, you know, it it really hampered the ability for teams to make the right decisions that were right for the project that they were working on. Right, it became like this whole uh, committee situation, and uh, in the end, it was we completely abandoned it because it was not it was not functional for what we needed. So, I mean, I see a couple of benefits and problems with it, right? So, I, I think that it's nice to have things standardized. Like, a thing I can remember at the time was everybody was setting up servers a different way. So, mm-hmm. when, when I had to deal with a problem with some other client and I went to go log into the server, like, shit was all over in different directories and, you know, people were using different stuff. And when you really talked to them, there was no like, oh, well, we did it this way because of this. It was just like, oh, I don't know. I liked Apache, so I used Apache, even though like everybody else is using Nginx. And it's like, well, great. I added an extra four hours to me figuring out what the problem was because, you know, everything was non-standardized. And, and I think one of the things that we started to do that worked really well was to treat things more like an open source project, where it's if somebody had a good idea, people would kind of support that. And if people wanted to fork it or do something else, there wasn't like a whole lot of, um, no, you can't do that. But if it bit somebody else in the ass, people were not nice to you about it, right? So it's like, hey, if you weren't going with kind of the best idea that everybody had, 
fine, that's great, do your own thing, but don't expect a whole lot of support when you're out on the island all by yourself and you've gotten yourself into trouble. And I think sometimes there were, I, I remember one distinct instance where we were talking about moving, I think, to homebrew or something, and nobody really wanted to move to that, we were a little concerned, and, and somebody said, no, I tell you, this is the best thing ever, and we, somebody said, like, okay, well, if something goes wrong, I can punch you in the nuts if, if it's a problem, and the person said, yeah, it's fine with me, like, I believe in it that strongly, right? And I, I think sometimes that... Um, to me, it's not about like having standards in the sense of like written rules and policy. I think that's when you get in trouble. But I think when you have like I want to say best practices, but when you have like some consensus and some alignment about trying to be good, as long as you have the door open to explore and try new things, you're okay. It's the minute that it's like, well, this is the way we do it, and you can't do it any other way, no matter what. That's when it gets really dangerous. I think the idea of standards, like, I don't really like the idea of standards. I think that if you have a particular way that you want something done, and then and you want to have everybody do it that way, you need to make that the easiest path for everybody. So in your example, like, if I want somebody to use Apache, like, I'm going to make it really freaking easy to set up an Apache install the way I want it set up. And it's going to be so easy that you can choose Nginx, but it's going to mean a lot more work for you. And then that... That way, I'm not forcing my standard down on you, but I'm making, I'm giving you a lot of incentive so, to use my standard. So I, th- I think that tends to be um, the open source model, right? Mm-hmm. Which yep. is if if I make it easier, if I fork it and make it easier, people will use my stuff instead of your right. stuff. It's it's technical Darwinism, right? Right. right. Now, now but it's but it's a lot different than saying like, hey, use mine, or if you don't use mine, I'm not going to help you. Right. So, and mine was approved by the architecture right, control exactly. group. So one of the things I'll I'll say that I see on a lot of new teams too is the opposite of that. What what happens when somebody says? Um, I think that we should um, have 80% test coverage or 100% unit tests, or we should do this instead. And now um, you don't allow anything to come into the source tree that doesn't have those. Well, isn't that a standard? Yeah, but that's that's a lot different all of a sudden. Because oh, why so am your I... standards are okay, but my standards <laughs> why, aren't yeah. okay. The reason why that's different... Uh, oh, I see you saying. So if I am maintaining a project and you're trying to contribute to it, I, I want to say that I have a standard that says at least 80% source coverage before I will take your request. Well, I think some of those things... That I totally agree with. I think that's fine. I just disagree with the idea of like uh, me enforcing my standards on you, on your project. Well, I think, I think Darwinism also comes into play there. If, if your standards are unreasonable and nobody can give back to you, well, people are going to stop working with you right. and you're going to die and wither on the vine. Right. right. Yeah, I think it's one thing for a team to be principled and have certain values to say that, like, you know, we want to be technically excellent or something. And that means that we're going to really value test-driven development or, or you know, we're, we really care about testing or something like that. I think that's fine to have standards like that because I don't think those are so much like rules standards as they are like the values of the team. Like you want people people on the team to live the values. So I think those are a little easier, like pill to swallow. I, I'm personally kind of a fan of having things more standardized on the, like on the, at the team level. I think that just, there's so much time wasted and like dumb on purpose stuff that goes on around people trying to use different things in their little pet project. And so why is library. it okay at the team level, but not at the org level or at the company level? Well, I think that, I think at the org or company level, the values or the influence those have, I think those just get more and more abstract. So yeah, they're too far removed from the problem that's being solved. Yeah. I think if yeah. you were to say like, we have to use Java for everything, I think like that might not be the right thing for everything. And as long as I think the teams can find a way, like if your biggest problem is that you have people that work for you that can't work on your Java project and then go work on the Ruby project. Like that's probably, be, I mean, you don't want those people working for you, right? Like you're not losing efficiency because but why would it's two I not languages. want the expert? Like, I mean, why would I not want 
you know, the guy that wrote Java to work for me and he doesn't want to work on Ruby because, I mean, Java's like, he knows that. He's got, you know, 20 years invested in that. Like, he's the absolute best person ever at that. Right, but you're going to get the person that's the best person at Java, but that's not really where you're going to get value out of using some particular technology, right? It's not like if you took that person that's the 20-year Java expert, that's all they've ever done, but, but, and you put them on some project, they're going to instantly make it better. But what if what if I believe that the person that knows 20 years worth of Java is better than the person who knows you know six months worth of Ruby? And so, like to me, I would rather have, even though Java might not be the right tool for the job, this guy knows so much about Java, or this gal knows so much about Java that they're going to do it better anyways than the, a better tool to do it just because they're more experienced. I, I would challenge your beliefs and say that maybe your beliefs are wrong. I mean, I don't doubt that that's possible. I think if you took someone who's like an expert chef and you gave them a bunch of crappy ingredients in a crappy situation, they could pull it off because they have that expertise and they have all that stuff. I think that's fine, but I would question how frequently that scenario comes up where your biggest, like the biggest gain you get would be out of having the, like the mountaintop I, I, expert. I only hire experts, Clayton. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have that mindset where they think they only hire the best people. Um, I mean, most of the people that I talk to that think that they hire the best people, they really can never tell who the 10 times programmers are anyway. So I think that's they're kind of chasing right. unicorns at that point. And the unicorns that they do find tend not to actually be the best people, so, in my experience. So let, let's say it's not language. Let's say it's a deployment platform, or let's say it's sure. desktop operating system, or let's say it's server operating system, or you, you name it. Yeah. Right. I, like, I think it comes down to conventions are very handy things to have. Yeah. Um, it's it's when they become policies that it can become inflexible and ruin some of your creativity, right? And your ability to adapt to the situation at hand. I mean, I, I think for me where I get uncomfortable is the minute that somebody says, we can't do that because, and the answer is the policy, some blah, 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 standardization. Right. Like, yep. We can't do that because Windows Server doesn't do that. Or we can't do that because Ubuntu doesn't do that. Or we can't do that because Apache won't do that. We can't do that, like... You know, the minute I hear that, it's like, okay, so you're not willing to innovate. Like, you're willing to sacrifice being able to do something you can't do right now that somebody wants you to do to hold on to some standard that is, like, you know, the... I think, right. I think, I think a team can have standards for itself. And I, I think you, I kind of asked this earlier, like, why a team and why not an organization? I think a team can have standards for itself because it is being held responsible for the problem that it's trying to solve. And everybody is present, so if they want to change the standard, they can do so expeditiously. An organization cannot because they're solving a whole bunch of different problems, and they can't dictate a universal solution for all of them, and they're not being, able, they're not being held responsible for any of them. But, but are they being held responsible? Meaning, if what if the team goes away and the organization still has to support that I mean, so great. You've got a team of four people. They go off on this path and they do something completely non-standard and it's really awesome and it solves the customer's problem and it's really great. And then all four of them get pissed off about something or they get some great new job or they, they win get, the lottery. get hit by a, a but Yeah, they <laughs> win the lottery pool. That's the HR term. And, and now you've got to have somebody else go support that, right? You know, I think that's the risk, right? That's the trade-off. So you can have the policies where you say that you, oh, we can't do that because you can have that scenario. Mm -hmm. I think, or you can have maybe the other extreme, which is everyone can do whatever the hell they want. And there are trade-offs to both of those. So does, does this come back to the, the inherent tension between uh, creativity and efficiency? Yeah. So for me, I always like to explain it. I think there's a slider button at like the right side or whatever side you want. On one, one polar opposite is innovation or creativity. And I think that's rooted largely in chaos. And then if you slide the direct button, you know, the slider all the way the other way, um, you're basically in efficiency which is usually rooted in like standardization, policy control, right? And I think you can slide that bar any level you want 
to find the balance. But what I tend to find is organizations have a trouble setting that bar, right? Like they either want to slide all the way to the right or they want to slide all the way to the left. Usually all the way and to then, left. And then the, or, the teams underneath want to adjust it in, somewhere else where I think if organizations said – you know, we've got a scale of one to ten, and we're going to say between one and three is acceptable, or four and six is acceptable, or seven and nine is acceptable, and then let the teams underneath them or the organizations underneath them then like kind of fine tune it for them. I think they'd get a lot better results. But instead, it's just like this constant tension of team versus org versus big company. I think the thing I see the teams. I think mature teams will will maybe have the slider closer towards the standards thing for most things. When, But when they know that they could get some benefit out of being more creative or chaotic, they move the slider that way. I think teams get into a lot of trouble, immature teams especially, where they move the slider to the creative side for the sake of being creative. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we're going we're gonna to do this thing that we could do already using the things we know, but we're going to do it in this whole new thing that nobody knows that we have to support, blah, 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 that might not be around for six, in six months. Just because like it's a cool new thing, I think that's pretty stupid, right? That's dangerous, right? Well, there's safety and chaos because nobody can hold us to the fire. That's true, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, if there is no standard, nobody can say you're doing it wrong, right? Right? And I think there's a lot of immature teams that want to jump into that, right? And I think it, it, it's the it's the classic like early adopter of technology, right? Like, you probably don't want to be bleeding edge to the point where you're spending all your time trying to get your technology to work. But at the same time, you don't want to be a laggard or a late adopter to the point where you never get any benefit. You want to be riding that wave right at the like top of the crest where you're probably one of the first people adopting it, but you're adopting it just at the point where it's mature enough that you're having to tweak it a little bit, but you're not spending all your time tweaking it, right? But, but that's like such a hard sweet spot to find in the What's the hardest in. place to stay? Yeah, right. it's hard. But I, but I think a mature team is really focused on delivering value, so they will try to find that sweet spot on their own. The, well, the, the best teams that I've worked the best people I've worked with are very situationally aware. They know when is the right time to move that dial, uh, and and not and it's not even like on a whole project. It might be in this particular mm-hmm. situation. When's the right time to be a little bit riskier? When's the right time to uh, be a little more stable? Stick with what you know. Right. You know what? I'm almost like the blog post is coming in my mind right here. The thing is like the big wave riders. Yep. Right. Like these are the guys that go out there and they'll sit and they'll paddle and they'll wait. And people are like, man, that person is dumb. They're not taking any waves. But then magically they go right when like the best wave of the day comes in and they ride it in and everybody's like, oh, man, that was so incredible. Did you see how incredible that is? Right. And it's like totally crazy for them. And I, I think that really good people know, like, every so often you have to be patient. But when that right wave comes, you better paddle like hell to get on it because it's the thing that's going to throw you above everybody else. Right. So if you just sit there forever and don't ride a wave, you're screwed. But if you ride every wave, you're going to be tired before the wave that comes that really matters yeah. hits. And I, I think that's just hard. Right. And it, it, big companies, especially, that's hard. Right. Because it, it, that takes serendipity to be able to jump well little companies well you might die before yep. the, the big wave comes. or if you get on but the it, wrong one you're <laughs> right but individually it takes practice you gotta you yeah. gotta fail a lot before you can yeah, learn you gotta know how to happens. how to sense the wave and right. be yeah. and when the big wave comes along you gotta know how to deal with it you have the yep. skills to ride it right. Right. and on that uh interesting metaphor let's uh let's wrap this up thanks for listening catch you next week thanks If there's something you'd like to hear in a future episode, head over to integrumtech.com slash podcast where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? 
sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. I'm Sharon. And I'm Diana. Leadership's not easy, is it? The dilemmas of leadership, the challenges, they're not alone in their struggle. They want to be a better leader. Yeah. Listen, it's good. Nothing but the truth. Partnerships and Possibilities, a podcast on leadership. Find us on iTunes. The Agile Weekly Podcast is brought to you by Enneagram Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona. For old episodes, check out EnneagramTech.com or subscribe on iTunes. Need help with your Agile transition? Have a question and need to phone a friend? Try calling the Agile Hotline. It's free. Call 866-244-8656.